Unto him be all the praise, all the adoration. He has been good to us. Our God has been kind to us. Give him praise from where you are. Just lift up your hands and thank him. Thank him for the salvation of your soul. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for watching over you. Thank you for keeping you. Thank you for provision. Give him thanks today. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him praise. Glory be to God. Our God is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. As a father pitches his children, so the Lord God pitied us that fear him. Let's give him praise today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, unto you be glory. Unto you be praise, oh God. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus. Our Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together for worship, corporate worship, to worship your name. Lord, unto you we have come, O God. May our worship be acceptable before you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have come to receive of you the engrafted word that is able to bring renewal to our souls, O God. We ask, O God, that this word will comfort with understanding, mixed with faith in our hearts, and provide and produce the intended results in the name of Jesus. We're born of the world, so we have the capacity to receive the world. And so in the name of Jesus, we submit our capacities today before you to receive of your word today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please, where we are standing, can we lift up our Bibles for our Bible affirmation, please? The Bible affirmation, everybody. Hallelujah. Sorry, let me get it out. Okay. Let's take it together. This is my Bible. It is God's inner and unchanging word. It is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide these words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. And therefore, listen to it carefully and obey it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head by diligent study. Store it in my heart by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by obeying its teachings. And sow it in my world by being a witness. Hereafter, I will never be the same. Never, 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 in the name of Jesus, for his honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Please, you may be seated, and I want you to please just wave to the brother, sister sitting by you. Tell him how you're welcome to church this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> last week we started looking on the subject of you in Christ. You in Christ. And I said, Christ in us showed us the power of God unto our salvation. You in Christ has to do with your Christian life, 
the life you have been called as a Christian to live, which is the fact that you are in union with Christ. He in you and you in him. And actually, the life of Jesus that is in you is supposed to be expressed out of your life. And that is the essence of you in Christ. And it's a very important subject in the Bible because in the New Testament Bible, particularly in the epistles, there are over 90 references to different renditions and phrases of our being in Christ. It's not enough to say Christ is in me. It's an accomplished work by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. You in Christ also, you must come to recognize that it's an accomplished work also. And you must learn what it means and how you will give expression to the Christ that is in you and the Christ that you are in him. Praise the Lord. And so we started discussing it last week and we took our text from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16. Verse 6 rather. Ephesians 2 verse 6. And I'll read there again this morning. Please open with me your Bibles. It says, And God raised us up with Christ. God raised us up with Christ. You see, last week, I think in one of the services, I'm not sure whether it's in this service, I made an illustration. Let's look up briefly. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, it was a high-level manifestation of the wisdom of God in his going to the cross. In the Old Testament or before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, whenever the Bible wants to describe the power of God, he will describe it in terms of the power that God expressed in delivering Israel from Egypt. But in the New Testament, after the resurrection, it changed. Whenever the Bible wants to describe the manifestation of the power of God, it talks about the power that God displayed when he raised up Christ from the dead. Because it was not just power, it was a high level of wisdom, technicality, and divine manifestation. When Jesus went to the cross, by the epistles, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, God, assuming this is Jesus Christ, and this is humanity, God had put humanity in Jesus Christ. Are you following me? The moment he died, you died too. We all died with him. The moment the power of God hit him and raised him from the dead, we were raised up with him. There was no difference between me and Christ or you and Christ or Christ in you, no. We were embedded in him. If, for example, this is a book or a newspaper, and I put some money inside, and I decide to burn it. If I burn it, by the time we separate the ashes, will you be able to separate the ashes of the money? No, you won't, because they have been one and the same. The same thing took place. When Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. Our sins were buried with him. When he was raised up, the Bible says he was raised up for our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 29. You and I, were raised up with him, declared guiltless by God, declared innocent, declared holy unto the Lord. And so when God sat him down at his right hand of majesty, his right hand of power, 
far above principalities and powers, we were in him. And the Bible says that we were made to sit with him. And it's a done fact. It's a completed fact. And it's a fact of scripture. And it's a fact that you and I must come to understand, acknowledge, and live in the reality of it. But the challenge is, if we don't know, we won't be able to think about it. When I say think, in the broader sense of meditating on it. If you don't meditate on it, it cannot be expressed in your life. You won't see the reality of it. You will think that if you don't walk in God, you won't earn. And that is the mentality of the Old Testament. When you were raised up with him, it's a work that God has completed. It's a work of grace. And you need to get to know. Because the Bible says that the acknowledgement of every good thing in you that Christ has put in you is what will lead to the manifestation. As you begin to acknowledge, you say, yes, I agree. Yes, this is what it is. And it begins to reflect in your thoughts, in your confession. Your life begins to align with it. And so, beloved of God, know that it was a complete work that God did. You were hidden in him, in Christ. And when he was raised up, he was raised up, you were raised up with him. And when he was seated, you were made to sit with him because you were in him. And so, beloved of God, in Ephesians here we are told, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's a complete work. I also did say that Christianity, that you are born again, is not a product of work. The Bible says that for by grace he has saved through faith. As a result of your faith in him, salvation has come to you. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot say, I got born again because I did this, because I fasted, because no. It was a manifestation of the grace of God. And the same way, we have been raised to come into God to walk in the reality of what God has done for us. When God created Adam, he created him on the sixth day. The first day that Adam will enjoy was the seventh day, and it was the day of rest. Man was born or created into rest. The same way you and I today, we have been raised in Christ, we have been born again first into rest. We will need to be with him. In Mark chapter 3, we are told from verse 13, the Bible says when it was morning, he called unto him those he would. Can we have Mark chapter 3 on screen, please? Mark 3 from 13. And I want you to see this. Mark 3 from verse 13. He called unto him those he would. And the first assignment he gave them was not to go and preach. Was not to go and heal the sick. It was first for them to be with him. Your first calling as a child of God, as you are seated with him, is first to be with him. We have been born again first into rest. We are made to sit. Sitting is a state of rest. But while you are sitting, what are you doing? These are the things we'll begin to look at. What does it take to sit? What is the expectation of God while you are sitting? These are things I want us to take time to look at this morning. Because your formation as a child of God 
come from you understanding your place of rest in him. Your place of being seated in him. You must understand it. You are not a Christian because of works. You don't continue as a Christian because of works. You must learn the principle of sitting. While, why is it necessary that you learn to sit? It's necessary that you learn to sit so that you will imbibe and bring forth that which he has put inside you. Turn with me your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, please. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to use this scripture to give a clear illustration of what we are talking about. Praise the Lord. Matthew 11, from verse 28. 28. From verse 28 to 30. Hear what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me repeat that verse 29 again. It says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The key to our rest, the key to our sitting, in my opinion, or in my mind, lies in our understanding the concept of rest. While you are resting as a child of God, you just give your life to Christ. You acknowledge the fact that it was by the grace of God alone that you got born again. What does it entail for you? First, the Bible says we have been called to be yoked together with him. Yoked together. I don't know if you have been able to get the image of the yoke that I asked for. There are two types of yokes. When the sizes of the animal, when a farmer is plowing, for example, and the sizes of the animals are equal. Maybe one is a heavyweight, the next one that is yoking with it is also a heavyweight, a co-laborer, so to say. It's an equal yoke, meaning that two of them are experienced. Two of them are plowed before, and the farmer wants to do a good work. There is also the level of unequal yoke, this is an example of equal yoke. If you look at the screen there, you see, please put it back. The two animals are about the same size. One is not stronger than the other. When they are moving, they will move in the same direction. This is an equal yoke. But there's a second level of yoke, which is an unequal yoke, in which one of the animals is far bigger than the other, far stronger far older than the other animal. Oftentimes, the farmer does that to teach the younger animal how, or the slender animal, the animal with the less weight, the animal with the less experience, to teach that animal how to learn to plow the field. It's in a training process. And depending on how fast he understands, the process can go on. But the important thing here is this. When the two animals are yoked together, they are yoked together to walk together. They are yoked together to
to go in the same direction. Jesus calling us here said, come into a yoke with me. Obviously, it cannot be an equal yoke. Because when you come in, the first level in that yoke for you is to rest in him. And while you are resting, what are you supposed to be doing in that rest? While you are in that rest, he says, learn of me. Learn from me. One of the things he said you will see is that I am humble in heart. You will see that I am lonely. I am meek. I don't insist of my own. There is a release that comes from the inside of me. You will see the gentleness of the spirit in me. By the grace of God, in subsequent teachings, we are going to go into all this. And all these things speaks of the development of this fruit of the human spirit. While you are seated, while you are taking in the word, while you are observing the master by the word, while you are observing the master in a place of prayer, you are learning these things. As you sit and learn of him, one of the things that begin to take place, that growth begins to happen inside you, and the first element and manifestation of that growth is the manifestations or the production of the fruit of the spirit, the recreated human spirit in the inside of you. And when these things begin to show forth, then you move into the next level of your work with him. But we must understand that in this issue of yoke, when two animals are yoked together, particularly in a place for them to walk, The yoke, first of all, speaks of a submission. Especially if it's an unequal yoke. It speaks of a submission. Because the stronger animal gives the direction. The stronger animal knows what to do. The stronger animal knows the expectation of the farmer. And the younger animal is coming in to learn the process of, of plowing the field. He doesn't know. He has not done it before. But when he submits to the older animal, it becomes easy for him to learn the process. The farmer yokes them together in an unequal fashion, not because he wants the younger animal to carry the weight. As a matter of fact, the bulk of the weight is under or is on the older animal. When you come into your knowledge of Jesus Christ, you get born again. You begin to learn the scripture. You begin to learn in the place of prayer. You begin to learn in the place of evangelism. What you are beginning to learn is the process of submission to the will of the master. As you begin to learn in submission to the will of the master, you find out that on your own, you, by the reason of that process that has been put in place, The yoke delivers the two animals, the experienced animal and the unexperienced animal under the control of the farmer. There's first submission. The result of that submission is that there's a transference of control. You are no longer the master of your life. Before you say, this is how I want to live my life. But Jesus is now Lord of your life. As you are resting and learning of him and you are yoked with him, You are submitted to him. Now the control of your life has now been transferred. There are some Christians, they are born again. 
But God, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. The Lord of a life is the final authority in a life. It doesn't matter how you feel about a situation. When you hear the desire of the master, whether it has to do with substance or it has to do with something you feel so strong about, when you know the stand of the word of God on the matter, you drop any other position you feel. Like Apostle Paul said, you would rather want to be cheated than for the will of the master or than for the direction, the, the desire of the master not to be fulfilled. He said, when a brother offends you or cheats you, and in trying to uh, assert your right with that brother, and you result in taking the brother to the judges, won't you know, don't you know, that we are going to judge the angels? Don't you also know that the expectation of the master for you is that you would rather be the one that is cheated in order for the master's name not to be maligned than for you to say, I'm going to insist on my right in order for me to be proven right. No. He said, that does not bring glory to the master. When you are yoked with Jesus, one of the things that becomes extremely important to you is what is important to him. And for Jesus, because of the desired glory of the master, he came to John the Baptist. He said, look, John said, he said to John, baptize me. John said, no, I am the one that's supposed to be baptized by you. He said, suffer it to be so for now, so that we can fulfill all righteousness. Everything Jesus did, he had the mindset of the glory of God. God must be glorified in every talk, in every step that he takes. He says, I don't just talk. It is what I hear him say that I say. I don't just do. It is what I see him do that I do. I don't just judge. It is what I see him judge. How I see him judge that I judge. He says he doesn't do anything of his own. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God. But he humbled himself, even to death, the death on the cross. Why did he do that? So that the will and the desire of the master, of God the Father, will be fulfilled. He subjected himself to all those things. When we come to be yoked with him, when you come to that level of submission to him, he becomes the Lord of your life. It is no longer your interest that matters. It is what God desires of you. That is why it doesn't matter if you have 10 naira. And 10 naira is the last money you have at home or in your bank. And God makes a demand of it. Or you see a need that God, you think that God wants you to address that need. Obviously. Because you know. And it is not that you don't have other things you want to do with that money. You have other things you probably would love to do. But because it's now Lord of your life. Because you know that this is what he wants you to do. You submit it to him. It might be with joy. It might be with some pain. But because he's Lord of your life, you are now yoked to him. You submit it to him. These are things you learn when you come to sit with him. As you are called to be seated with him, one of the first things is not the exercise of authority. It is a place of learning. Learning of him. Imbibing what is in him. Taking what is in him. And internalizing it. Let it become yours in your life. And so, when you are yoked with him, remember the first is submission. Because he doesn't just want to be the savior of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life. There's nothing like no Lord or no sir in his army. It is yes sir. And that is all. And when you say yes sir, you say yes sir with a heart of complete submission to him. 
The second thing is that you have transferred control onto him. And the third thing, because there is submission, because there is transference of control, the third thing automatically follows. You move in his direction. You are now directed by him. You are subject to the leading of the Spirit of God. You want to do a thing. You desire, what does the Bible say in this matter? Somebody has offended you real bad. And you look at the situation, you want to take action. Then you remember what the Bible says. You yesterday that when somebody does something for you, you have a record book. Today, the person comes to do that thing again. Instinctively, you reach out to your record book. The moment you bring out the record book to record what that person has done, you remember the fact that oh, in the inside of you, the spirit that now takes control of you tells you no, no, no. Even though initially it was a strong point for you, but because of the fact that you are now submitted to him, you are now yoked with him, you are now in the same line with him, you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And you forgive the person right there and then. And that brings me to a very important point I need to say. Today is Sunday the 25th of April, right? 25th of April. I want to give all of us an assignment. Beginning from today when you get to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Please write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You will read every day for the next 30 days. Every day for the next 30 days. From verse 4 to verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want you to read it from either the Amplified Bible or the NIV or the New Living Translation. Read it from any of the New, any of the new Translations. It talks about the love of God. Beloved, if you carry out this exercise very well, even as I'm saying it, every day for the next 30 days, what I want you to do, pick it up and read it. Please, can we have it? Okay. Okay. It says, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. On and on and on. When you read this, because you see, one of the signs that you are a born-again Christian, Galatians chapter 5 tells us, one of the first fruit of the recreated human spirit is love. And that is where I want us to start from here. If you understand the scripture, you meditate on the scripture, you think on the scripture, some of them will get into your memory. And as you begin to meditate on them and say it, you will begin to see yourself living in the reality of the scripture. It says, love is kind. Love suffered long. As you begin to meditate on it, it enters your life and begins to manifest in your life. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, one of the signs that the Bible says you will know when that you are born again, you are a child of God, is because you love the brethren. You love the brethren. If you stay on this scripture every day, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 4 to 8, every day, 
for the next 30 days. You read it. You say to yourself, spend at least 15 minutes, 20 minutes meditating on one or two lines of it. One of the things that will happen is that your spirit man will grow in love. You will grow in love. And as you grow in love, your submission to the Lord Jesus becomes better, becomes complete. Remember, you are yoked with him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What made it possible for Jesus to come was love for the father and love for the things the father cared for. The father cares for humanity. The father cares for men. And as a result of that, he willingly submitted himself to death, even death on the cross because of love. Love covered a multitude of faults, the Bible says. If you can grow in love as a child of God, you will grow in many, many areas of your Christian life and your Christian walk. Because love, God, the Bible says, is love. And so, beloved of God, in your, sub, in your being yoked with Jesus, yoking involves submission. One of the things that will enable you to submit to Jesus is the love of God in your heart that has been shared abroad. And you will come to the reality of the fact that, realization of the fact that, truly speaking, you love as a child of God. You won't be able to tell somebody, I hate you, because there's no hate in you. Because one of the signs that I would say we are passed from death, spiritual death, into life is the love of God. That is why I'm giving us this exercise. Every day for the next 30 days, read that scripture. Say it to yourself. Meditate over it. Declare it on your life. And you will see that your life will change. The second thing is, is that there is a transference of the control. It becomes the Lord of your life. The third thing you will see is that there is direction. You now come under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One of the things that makes it possible for us to be led is because of this yoking with Jesus. When you are at a state of rest, you see him. He said, look at me. I am gentle. I am humble. The fruits of the human spirit in him. And so when we see the expansion of that fruit of the human spirit, you will see it in Galatians chapter 5. And when you begin to dwell in scriptures that amplifies this, that talks about this, you will find that you will naturally grow in these things. And the more you grow in these things, the more you are submitted to him. The more he is the Lord of your life. And the more you are yielded. Because these three things are extremely important. If you are going to enter into the next level of your walk as a child of God. Beloved of God, know this. When you are seated with him, the first thing you do is to learn of him. Praise the Lord. In learning of him is the process of the yoking. Then the yoking will demand, will bring into your life submission. Will bring into your life his lordship will bring into your life his leading, his control, and his direction. I want you to bow your heads today. Talk to God. Lord, I come before you. I have been raised up to be seated with Christ. Seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jehovah God, I ask today in the name of Jesus, help me to learn of you. When you are seated, it is to learn. When you are seated, it is to learn. My sitting time must not be wasting time. My sitting time must not be wasting time. And part of the things you will do so as not to ensure that 
your sitting time will not be wasted time. It's to go and carry out the assignment I gave us. It's a profound assignment. If you can do it for 30 days, your Christian work will never be the same again. It will never be the same. Talk to God. If you are there, you are not born again. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to become a child of God. I'd like to pray with you. Can you raise up your hand wherever you are? I'd like to pray with you. If you are at home, I want you to pray with me today. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father God, for sending Jesus to come and die for me. I come before you today. I know he died for my sins. He was raised up for my justification. I confess him as Lord of my life today. Accept me as your child in line with your word in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for us today. Help us to learn to sit. Help us, Lord, to learn to sit. Help us, Lord, to learn to sit before you. And in sitting, cause us to learn of you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.